Hello, podcast listeners, and may the fourth be with you always. Um, on today's episode of Videos Marketing Mastery, we're traveling to a galaxy far, far away and nerding out about Star Wars. Kind of related to the last conversation that we have, specifically about how marketers for healthcare brands can tell better stories to sell their products faster. So we're just going to get right into it today. I'm going to pull a quote or two from the Star Wars series, and then we're going to talk about a question related to that. Um, so to start, as Yoda once said, always pass on what you have learned. So we're just going to get started with the big question of what are some of the biggest lessons about storytelling, character animation, or even marketing that you've learned from the franchise? And Chad, I know you're a huge fan of Star Wars, so I'd love to have you riff on this one first. Yeah, no problems. Um, just in case people don't know, hi, my name's Chad, post-production supervisor here at Wirebuzz. Huge Star Wars nerd. Um, I was born on May 4th, so I think I was predestined to be a Star Wars nerd. Uh, I didn't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> um, as far as passing on what you have learned, and Case and I think we've talked about this too in the past of helpful is so viral. People really enjoy being able to learn from others. I mean, we live in an age where you can find tutorials on basically anything and everything that you want to learn. And when it comes to storytelling, Star Wars, like, I think George Lucas said that like Star Wars is like a poem as in it, it, it rhymes, it repeats itself sometimes, but in new and different ways. And that's kind of a way of passing on and the storytelling to another generation and almost reinventing itself. And so we go from, you know, Luke Skywalker, and then we go to the prequels with Anakin. And then from there we go to Ray. And then you look at uh, more contemporary uh, would be, we had Boba Fett and then you had the Mandalorian. So it's very similar stories being told in different ways that are um, sort of connecting to the audience, connecting to the audience in a new way. It's still set in the same universe. It's still set with the same mythology, the same love, care, and attention uh, to the world building but it's finding new ways to reach out to you know younger generations and maybe even still you know passing on that nostalgia so that the older generation can still feel connected to this thing that they love so much absolutely what about you amanda um well first my name is amanda and i am the senior animator and editor here at wirebuzz and i agree with chad as far as the storytelling goes um as far as like how I could connect with like animation in the marketing and like a different aspect of it is the one thing that I really enjoyed about the Star Wars lore and, and everything that had to do with it is it was the first time in film that we had seen the utilization of like specific, well, I would say breakthrough like special effects and uh, we we really saw a lot more detail of being on alien planets from locations around the world that we weren't familiar with, which in, you know, films before that, I mean, like we had Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was amazing, but didn't really showcase a lot of like different planets and worlds. Um, not saying that there weren't a lot of tricks with like filmmaking stuff there, but in the Star Wars universe, George Lucas and his teams really took what they knew from the past and then the technology that they had at the moment and really put that to good use for like puppeteering, animation, special effects, uh, different film techniques and ideas. And then 
in marketing, that's also super important is staying relevant in the field and um, staying relevant with trends and moving forward with them instead of kind of getting stuck and stagnant in one place. And I think that we can learn a lot from the film industry on that end as far as, you know, utilizing the technologies that we have, but then utilizing them in different and creative ways to kind of bring things to the forefront and, and start those trends instead of following them. Absolutely. And I think for me, like, you know, we talk about special effects and I think like the costume design was always something that really stuck out to me um, or just like the, the character animation and how mm-hmm. like the, the otherworldliness of these characters and their body types. It was just like, it really made you feel like you were immersed in that world and you could like reach out your hand and it, it was an actual, you know, species. Um, and I remember as a kid, I was obsessed with CP3O for whatever mm-hmm. reason, <laughs> but there was, there was something about like the human nature of the robot and like how they brought personality to it through the script and the characterization. And I just think like, that's really one of the biggest lessons for me is whenever we're doing like a video script and we're trying to figure out, okay, who is the the protagonist or who's like the hero of this video? How can we bring narrative and personify this story and then like keep it going beyond just maybe that one main campaign commercial? You know, there's going to be other types of videos throughout the website or uh, as we've had with brands over the years, like not necessarily in healthcare, but they typically have like, kind of that sponsored star in the series. So it's like, how can we bring that into healthcare where we don't necessarily see that? Um, Azioda also said, fear is the path to the dark side. Um, And to balance that out with Anakin Skywalker's quote of compassion, which I would define as unconditional love, is essential to a Jedi's life. Um, I think that when, especially talking about healthcare it's easy to fall into the sick care conversation trap and almost be like, well, if you don't take this test, you know, your, your, your mortality rate is going to increase. Or it's like, there's this, this fear instilled kind of tactic that um, I don't really think is effective. I think it's really about empathy and, and hope and inspiration. So I'm curious to hear from you two from like a visual perspective. Um, what are some maybe animation or like lighting or editing techniques that we can use in video to help, better appeal to the sense of compassion? I think there's a lot to say about something that feels super scripted and something that feels more natural. I think that we are in the times where people really appreciate um, honesty and like that feeling of being real and not that fake, um, feeling that a lot of the scripting can have, like, you know, you just know when someone's being told to say something versus when it's someone's own words, Um, especially with their experiences. Like we want to feel connected to that. And we always search for connections uh, between people that we're talking for. And so I think it's really important to write things in the perspective of your target audience. which I think that in the Star Wars universe, like that was a big thing that they touched on as a lot of social um, 
justice type issues that were going on around then. And, you know, wrote those things into the script. I mean, there were wars across the galaxy, right? That's what the Star Wars is. And um, at those times we were going through different wars, had already come out of different wars. And um, people really related to that feeling, feeling of like the rebellion and wanting to resist that evil. And so I think it's for like the filming aspect of storytelling and in marketing, it's important to like kind of just really know your audience and know um, what's going to connect to them and not being so rigid in the creation process, I guess, or the creative process, like, you know, taking the risks and having maybe two people on screen, if it's a key opinion leader speaking with a doc, another doctor about a product or um, kind of just really being tact, tactful about what you're writing. Oh, it's a hard one for me because there's so many different things that, <laughs> that I think can play into this. And it, and it really is just based on um, the situation that each of your videos comes in. But I think it's important to really get that feeling of, of connection in there and not just like giving information forward. You know, you really want, you want your audience to empathize with it and not, and not just like disconnect right away. I, I agree. And I, you said something that, that resonated with me was the word rebellion. And I think that when we're talking about disease, it's like we want to rebel against the disease. They're kind of like that, the, the Darth Vader in our universe, so to speak. <laughs> um, and like, how do we rebel against that through preventive medicine? How do we increase our longevity? How do we achieve a better life? Um, so I think like that's an interesting theme that maybe healthcare brands can tap into a little bit more about kind of that natural human inclination to say, I don't care about nature. I'm going to take control of my own health. Yeah. The strength behind, because everyone underestimates their strength until they're put into a situation where they're forced to either do it or to not do it. And I think a lot of people have the willpower to fight something that they might not necessarily know a lot of information about, or, you know, might just be finding out about something that they've been diagnosed with. And you really dig deep into yourself to find those things. And I think that's really important thing to focus on is the strength that's there uh, from the individual's perspective and not necessarily the fear that comes along with hearing about the diagnosis. I think that a lot of people initially have those, those fears and because they just don't know about it right away. But when they find out more, then they're like, okay, I can take this on. Let's go. Mm -hmm. What about you, Chad? What are your thoughts on this? To kind of piggyback off of some of the things both of you have said prior the humanization of characters, you, know, you specifically talked about C-3PO and how that's technically a character that has no facial expression whatsoever, but there's so much character that exudes from his personality and his, his connectivity to the audience. And same thing with R2-D2 or really any of the droids um, or even Darth Vader or the Stormtroopers, any, any of these masked characters that really you have to emote with the material that's given and Sometimes that can be difficult in the world of, of animation, especially we're talking about, you know, 
going back with Star Wars and like Stan Winston Studios and all that. And they're kind of just kind of making up some of the stuff as they went along technology that didn't exist that they're just creating. So they have to worry about those problems and they have to worry about, you know, are people going to be able to connect with essentially a, a, a tin can and a, a golden robot guy? Like, I don't know, are they? But the, the narrative was there that was facilitating that connection. And it, it kind of goes to show that it doesn't matter, you know, what necessarily what the visual element is, as long as there is a story behind that visual that gives it meaning. So a blank canvas can mean anything to anyone, you know, so it's really up to you and the narrative and the um, the characterization you want to give something. And so there's oftentimes where we're faced with animation or, you know, technical animation where there isn't really any characterization to build from. You know, we're talking about vials and machines and charts, but it's our job and it's our duty to create the characterizations within that within that, you know, constraint and find ways for people to connect to it as an audience. Um, and I've just, I just wanted to bring up those characters specifically, because sometimes it's kind of, you know, you have to think outside the box, like, how am I supposed to really show this connective tissue when there's really no human emoting available? Um, but people still resonate with those characters. Some of them, uh, you know, some of those characters people resonate the most with, like, Boba Fett had what, maybe two or three lines in the entire trilo original trilogy. And people thought he was the coolest thing on the planet to the point where like his prototype action figure goes for insane amounts of money. And they had to find a way to retroactively bring him back in, you know, the novels. And then most recently in the book of Boba Fett series on Disney plus. So you can say that, you know, it doesn't really matter what these characters, you know, have to work with necessarily but if you use it right if you use what you have right you you can connect with the audience on a level that i don't even think they suspected they could at the time otherwise i don't think they would have killed off boba fett in the original <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot that character was popular i didn't i didn't think about that too much <laughs> i agree there's something to be said about being able to make people feel an emotional connection with something that is technically not even alive and can't yeah. emote like you were you were mentioning chad and it's really just being very tactical and smart about them the things that you make it do <laughs> yeah. really and and i would agree with that i mean with r2d2 there's just the cuteness from him is the fact that he goes around and just makes these cute little beeps and like <laughs> you know he's just always there with you and similar feeling to like a pet, like having a pet. And I think that's, uh, you know, you can't talk to your pets. You don't understand what they're saying, but we still love them and we still connect with them. And um, I would agree. I think that's a really good point. Well, Thank with you. animation, I mean, technically nothing's really alive, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. a wonderful book. Um, it's called The Illusion of Life, and it's by two of the original Disney Nine Old Men, um, mm -hmm. Ollie Johnson and Frank Thomas. And it's essentially this, this very topic. How do you make something that isn't real feel alive? Something that mm -hmm. could be considered lifeless. How do you get people to connect with it? And it's a, wonder, it's a wonderful book. Like anyone who's aspiring to be an animator, I highly suggest just taking a look at it. It's um, they focus a lot on some of the, uh, the older Disney, you know, animated pictures, Pinocchio specifically, the like the front cover is Pinocchio, um, cause they considered that to be like the, the breakthrough animation where all the things just side, sort of connected. It was his breakthrough for 
traditional animation as like Star Wars was to, you know, visual and special effects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely worth checking out. Um, there was something else I that you guys, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that should be in every animator's arsenal of, of books to read, literature they should have. <laughs> you know, that's mm, a good wonderful. one. Mm-hmm. And I, I like what you guys are saying about, you know, the how it's a little R2-D2 just like walking around and, and beeping at people. And there's an element of like speaking without speaking uh, within mm-hmm. these characters that I think really ties in kind of to the next point where it's... um. Kagan Jin once said, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. And I think a lot of times, I mean, some people can have like a weird point of friction with that quote, but I think a lot of times people want to fill fill the dead space instead of giving things room to breathe. Um, and a lot of what we are tasked with is scientists, like, like doctors, lab techs, like they know what they're talking about. And it's really easy for them to, to speak in all this complex jargon, but it doesn't necessarily add value to like the hospital admin or the buyer that like understands it. Um, So in China translating like this jargon into just a visual story, maybe it has VO, maybe it doesn't. Like how do you guys approach using animation to replace words and actually make products and innovation seem smarter? Um, I can, I can kind of touch on that. Like one of the things that we do often um, especially when it comes to like client facing videos are a lot of iconography and there's a lot to say about, um, pictures in general in images, uh, symbolism is something that has been around since ancient civilizations, uh, using stick figures and things like just became a common knowledge of what that represented. And so that's something that I think can be a universal language, our, our images. It is a universal language. You can show someone a symbol for a man and a woman, and they're going to understand what the difference is, uh, no matter where you go. Uh, in general, a red light means to stop, and like a green light means to go. I'm sure that is different in some regions of the world, but you know, there's just usually a set standard of symbolism that's agreed upon amongst people. And so symbolism, icons, imagery is super important on sending messages to people who might not know the technical jargon. Um, And we deal with that all the time in our job. There's a lot of things, I mean, Chad and I are not scientists, um, maybe scientists in some degree, <laughs> but like <laughs> not, not on the degree that our clients are. And we don't necessarily always understand the terminology, but um, the one thing that is part of our job is translating that information into something that the general population can understand as well. And it, and it crosses over to the symbolism that we've all agreed upon with star Wars. I mean, we all know what R2D2 and C3PO and um, we all know what the death star looks like. I mean, if you showed someone an image of the death star in like, I don't know, in somewhere in Europe, I'm sure they would know exactly where that came from because it's an agreed upon symbol. And so um, 
I mean, it, it comes to like watching foreign films without subtitles, right? You can just kind of figure out what's going on based on what you're seeing. You might not get all the details, but you know, usually there's things in there that can point you to the right direction. And so I think a lot of films use symbolism in it and subconscious symbol symbolism as well. Things that are specifically thought about and placed on our end for the audience to give you a certain feel to um, give the, the film or television like a certain message that you're trying to give across. And so I think it's really important to understand the messaging behind symbols and icons and imagery. Absolutely. You said something that makes me think too, like when, when products go to different international markets, Mm -hmm. It's having the right iconography. It's having the right mm -hmm. visual, like despite mm -hmm. what language is actually being spoken, that a doctor in South America is going to understand it the same way that somebody in the EU will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, because everyone knows what like a, a beaker, a Bunsen burner or, a, you know, a vial looks like. People know what a needle is and like a syringe. So showing those things are going to get it across versus maybe visualizing them in a different way or just in text, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what your thoughts on this are, Chen. Well, I like that we were kind of talking about, you know, things that are like worldly connected with symbolism, metaphors. Um, I would also add just mythology in general. And I think that's why Star Wars resonates so strongly is because it follows the hero's journey. It follows just kind of the basic form of mythology. And that's taken different forms, right? You know, you have like the, you know, all the different, you know, various gods of Greek and Roman culture. You know, uh, I would argue that probably the the modern mythology right now is probably the superhero mythology. You know, it's, it's all kind of the same stories, just reinterpreted. Uh, kind of what I was talking about earlier, you know, you're you're finding new ways to connect with um, your audience with um, kind of the same types of stories, just with different coats of paint on it, you know, different various forms of characters that are all rooted and based in in mythology. You know, you, if you look at the original, um, the original Star Wars, it follows the hero's journey almost to the letter. Um, <laughs> And it's it's almost shockingly so. Uh, and it's probably why it resonated so well with people, because that is such a basic form of communication, kind of like what we were talking about with iconography. You know, you could probably put up pictures of any of these characters and be like, are they a good guy or are they a bad guy? Mm -hmm. And most people would probably be able to get them right just based off of color theory, just based off of like iconography, based off of just visual emphasis. Right. Um, the other thing, too, is and I, I think, Amanda, you touched on this a little bit when it comes to the information that we're getting from clients because they are so technical savvy or technical focused. They're throwing a lot of information at us and then not only at us, but in that they want to also relay that information to their audience. And sometimes our job is to not show everything or find ways to reinterpret that information and show it in a visually stimulating way that isn't overwhelming or overloading to the viewer. Um, I like to think of you wrap up the story in a satisfying way, but you leave enough mystery so people start asking their own questions. And in doing that, you continue the conversation in a natural way. Um, to kind of relate that into a Star Wars, and this will actually go into a couple of films, but to Star Wars, um, Empire Strikes Back, 
Luke is attacked by the Wampa. And the next scene, we see him, you know, upside down in an ice cave trying to reach out for his lightsaber. In the original cut of that film, you saw very little of the Wampa. You saw just enough to be like, that's a creature. It's dangerous. And then the rest was just kind of like hearing it, knowing that it was approaching. So you kind of satisfyingly showed that there was something. There was a, a visual interest. There was a threat in this case. Um, and then that Luke was eventually able to, you know, defeat the beast and, and get out of that situation. Uh, in the, the re-edits, you see a lot more of it, which I think kind of removes that mystery and that like, oh, what's it, you know, what's it doing in the cave? It sounds like it's eating something. What could it be eating? Like what else is on Hoth? It's very similar to like the Jaws approach where the shark wasn't seen that much. I mean, it was due to technical limitations because it kept breaking on set, but <laughs> it helped the film in the long run because it was enough to give you the satisfying narrative, but leave enough mystery for you to ask questions. Kind of like at the end of another film, uh, the end of Indiana Jones, the original one, when they're wheeling the Ark of the Covenant into that warehouse. Where is this warehouse? What are all these other thousands of boxes? Are they other like powerful relics? What's going on here? Who are these top men? Uh, so I think there's a way to give the audience the information that obviously is important and needs uh, to be there in order to facilitate whatever narrative or whatever story they're trying to, you know, to reach, to tell, to finish, but also not bombard them with so much information that they don't start asking their own questions. You know, it's kind of like to learn more, go here. And then you're, you're following through to, you know, a website or you're reading more into it. You know, you're naturally now curious about something. And so the topic can carry on. I mean, how many, you know, forms out there are like, uh, speculating what like the next episode of a series is going to have. Like I remember when mm -hmm. Stranger, every time a season of Stranger Things like came out, you know, everyone was like trying to figure out where it was going to lead to. But of course, all those episodes you binge. So it's like hard <laughs> to figure out where you are in the conversation uh, without getting spoiled. But I think that sort of like natural curiosity that we all have is so strong. And it's almost like Give them what's important, but leave them wanting to explore more. You know, I think yeah, like the were... um the appetizer to the meal. Yeah, well, it's kind of mm -hmm. like uh, going back to Star Wars. It's like the Force, right? In the original trilogy, the Force was kind of this mysterious thing. You mm -hmm. know, it was kind of amorphous. It was like this otherworldly spiritual thing, and I think it did some. And this is just my you know, personal um, opinion. So please don't get mad at me if you, if you think <laughs> otherwise, because that's totally fine. Totally acceptable. All opinions matter. It is not um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but in the prequel trilogy, they, they basically define the force as having metachlorians and only people that have metachlorians or a lot of metachlorians can be force sensitive. And I thought that kind of destroyed a lot of what made the force seem so special because now you've, you've quantified it to the point mm -hmm. where, it, it, it's less about the fantasy element and I no longer ask questions because you defined it. So it kind of has this final ending to it, if that makes sense. It yeah. It's, it boils down to like a, a, a physical attribute, whether you have right. it or you don't have it. I know you yeah. mentioned earlier. Um, and I think this also plays really important into video and to marketing is like song choice. Um, because you mentioned about Jaws and that really kind of made me think about how you might not see him on screen, but you hear that Jaws theme music and you are instantly aware that danger is ahead of you. And I think that they also do that. I mean, I know they do that in Star Wars. Um, 
It's all John Williams. A lot Williams. of different. Yes, I <laughs> like, know, right? It is every all John every Williams. theme song it's that's ever so gotten smart. stuck in your head from a movie. It's probably it's John Williams. Eight times out of ten, it's going to be a John <laughs> Williams score. And it's just, um, it's just all of these ingredients to make the perfect sauce, right? To make the the video really be palatable for your audience, um, and just like keeping that in mind, what you're serving. To well, like is, who you were just yeah go yeah, ahead music what were you is, saying? no music is so powerful we were talking about t telling narratives without you know voicing without like mm -hmm. text think about the first scene of uh up from disney mm -hmm. pixar that whole what was it like 12 ish minutes worth of animation there is no dialogue there's no text on screen you know all it is is the visual element and the musical element and that is enough to make most people including myself cry, cry in the middle of a theater <laughs> So again, we're talking so about funny. taking what, you know, could be considered possibly a limitation, like when we were talking about characters before that have no ways of emoting their faces, yet still having enough fiber in there that is like humanly connected, that it doesn't really matter what your character is, you know, it mm -hmm. could be to go back to Star Wars, it could be a droid, you know, it could be a storm, it could be a face of stormtrooper, or it could be like a fish trying to find his son across the ocean. There's a way to make you care about these characters. And that's, you know, we're, we're talking about mythology, we're talking about iconography, things that we relate to on a human level, things that we read on a human level. Um, and that's just where the magic happens. It's just finding, mm -hmm. it's finding that magic can sometimes be difficult. You, you were talking about of sound design for a minute here and this goes actually back to a conversation we had on the podcast a few weeks ago about like why you have to think audio first and video now especially because a lot of people like it's it's motion graphics so it's really just kind of the music in the background anyway um the, going back to the the kaiganjin quote so I, I believe he was talking to jar jar binks when he said that yeah and george george lucas meant for jar jar to be like a well-received character but he tended like either people loved him or they kind of mocked him because of the humor. So it's like when we think about using humor in healthcare, um, one of the brands that comes to mind is Pepto Bismol. It's a it's a D to, <laughs> yeah. D to C brand, but we have that little jingle like plop plop fizz fizz, or like we think about a character like Mustex, like those little Boba Fett type booger things that yeah. <laughs> that they personify. The so, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts about like incorporating more jingles or like humor into healthcare brands. And do you like, I guess, you know, if we were talking to a brand, how would you recommend them kind of overcome that fear of maybe their product isn't going to be received as well because it's a little bit funny? Yeah, I think that humor is something that a lot of humans connect with, right? It's a good feeling that we associate. Everyone likes to laugh. Everyone likes to smile. And so I think that humor is a great attention grabber. It's something that people will turn around and remember commercials for. I mean, think of all of the highlights we have of Super Bowl commercials. A majority of people watch a Super Bowl just for the commercials and the halftime show. So there are specific reasons that, you know, humor, humor just sucks people in. They just like it. You know, a lot of people have a hard time dealing with other emotions, like um, feeling sad or might not empathize with the, those feelings of like, you know, emotional grief or, or um, 
you know, just their harder emotions to connect with. And I think that with humor, you can reach more. You you have a you have a bigger reach, and I understand that it is um, hard for a medical company to really want to be seen in that light, right? A lot of medical companies really like to be taken seriously, and I understand why. Um, but it's okay to kind of make fun of yourself or to just be a little bit lighthearted. I think that it, it makes you more approachable as a company. And it's, I guarantee you, if you were to show people like three different commercials and one of them was funny and the other two were more serious, I bet you anything people would pick their favorite one to be the one with humor written into it. What about you, Chad? What are your thoughts on this? I think Amanda hit this one uh, on the head pretty well. Uh, humor, again, we were talking about, you know, the universal connectivity, you know, um, and with humor that has the widest probable range of connection and approachability. Um, and, you know, to piggyback off what Amanda said, it's kind of, especially with medical, it's kind of, it's, it could be difficult, you know, it could be perceived as being difficult to find uh, humor in some of those situations. But if you were watching any of those types of content and like Amanda said, if there was something that had a humorous tone to it, you're likely to connect with that a little bit more because again, and I don't want to piggyback completely off what you said, Amanda, so I apologize, but you were just so <laughs> correct that it's hard for us as people sometimes to digest other types of emotion, which is why in some of, you know, the more, um, wider range appeal, you know, franchises and movies, if there is some sort of serious tone or a somber tone or, you know, like a difficult scene, it's often picked up almost immediately by some sort of levity. Um, you know, some sort of new, new approach to the situation. Uh, so you don't carry that tone throughout because it's like, all right, we got to the point where we got the sort of that emotional, the emotional tug. Uh, but now we gotta, we gotta make them smile again. We gotta make them laugh again. You know, it can't just be this one note throughout because we're not one note individuals. You know, we all have fluctuations in our behavior. We all have fluctuations in our personality and our moods. So you can't just be one note the whole time. I think some of the strongest material that I've seen from either commercials or even short films or animations is that when you have that sort of wave, that's how you really connect with somebody or something, you know, whether it's a person or a character animated or live action, that sort of journey, you're, you feel like you're a part of it, you know, and if you're just one note, then really there is no journey. If you're just coming at them with just the same thing over and over again. You don't feel like there was any, you know, metamorphosis or any change. Therefore there might not be as much, you know, as we were saying earlier, connective tissue to latch on to. Mm -hmm. And same with jingles. It's, it's the same with like a good jingle. There are still some commercials that I remember as a child that I can literally still repeat and sing. And like, and some of them are for like a law office, like something. So yeah, I think I know which one you're referencing. <laughs> I, I cannot get over it. The JG Wentworth. Oh yeah. Gosh, now. <laughs> I know. And like, you'll still sing it. You'll just, and then it'll get stuck in your head. Right. But when it comes to like visual aspects along with those, it makes something way more visually appealing to see something that isn't a rhythm. Right. We like that rhythm. We, we like something that has, we're as humans hardwired to search for patterns. And so 
um, having like a visual pattern along with like an audio, like a hearing like song or something. And it's just, it, it sticks with you more. It's easier to digest as the viewer. Um, and it's more fun for an animator to animate too. Yeah, <laughs> good cool. audio that has like really good rhythm, right? Like that's yeah. why I think audio is becoming important. Like to start, you should be starting animations with audio. And, you know, that's why we're very particular on the audio that we pick for testimonials. And um, when we do interviews with doctors who are, whether it's a patient facing video or like a technical video for others in that field to view, like it's very important. Song choice can be as well um, because we want that cadence. We want that rhythm while we're editing um, because people like that. It's too jarring. Um, and our brains will easily pick up on things that are mismatched or incorrect. Um, and so it, it's a lot of pre-planning, but if you, if you give it the appropriate time that is needed, you can make something epic that really holds its ground for a long time. That is like w one of the reasons that Star Wars is just so relevant still nowadays is like the themes that they have picked to write about the uh, special effects that they were using back in that time, the characters, the ability to connect with the different characters, the use of characters that we have never seen before. Like those, they did a lot of firsts when they, when they did that. They, they, they were so smart in their pre-planning of these films that it just became a household name. It became a household name. That's how it is. And people all around the world know what Star Wars is, whether you like it or not. Like, that's the whole thing. You could like it or not, but you know what it is. Speaking of, of liking things, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, many of the truths that we cling to depend on our point of view. Um, and when I think of Star Wars, we have, like, the original trilogy that some people like, and they would never want to watch the recent stuff, versus now there's a generation of people that, they saw the rise of Skywalker a couple years ago, but probably have never seen the Audrey trilogy. Uh, so when we're talking about like marketing to different generations of doctor, like say early career surgeon versus you know a chief of surgery who's in their late fifties, and obviously there's going to be like different cultural things that they're aware of too. So I'm curious how you think the approach to visual storytelling and messaging should be different between like younger versus older generations. I think it kind of goes back to what I was trying to discuss earlier is the reinterpretation of the same mythos, the reinterpretation of the same world building. Um, you, you have all the core elements still there. You're just trying to find within those core elements, what's the best delivery method? What's the best characterization of those things to reach the new audience? Um, and I, when it comes to Star Wars, they, they might not even be specifically attempting to reach any sort of specific audience you know they're just trying to make the next chapter of the story but with having a character like ray she appeals to a whole different range of of individuals than say luke or anakin did before before her and that's something that's so strong like i going to galaxy's edge like most of the little girls that i saw were not disney princesses they were dressed up as ray and i think that is the coolest thing ever because mm -hmm. now we're seeing star wars being brought into a new generation something that 
you know, other people can connect to that might not necessarily have been able to connect to with before. I kind of touched on this with the anime podcast episode where it's you have this you have this world, you have this thing that you've built, but that doesn't reach everybody. It's the it's the way that you can build from that with different creators, different visions, different ideas um, to connect to people at a wider range. So like, oh, you might not necessarily like, you know, the core movies. Well, maybe you're into gaming. So maybe, you know, like me, you were playing Rogue Squadron and Shadows of the Empire on the N64. Right. Or maybe you're into comics. So like Dark Horse picked up star wars for a long time and i think they're you know they're now they're under the the disney banner i think it's marvel that's publishing them now um you know if you're into like collectibles you know there's <laughs> merchandising george lucas was very ahead of his time when he said he just wanted to keep the merchandising rights uh so that's how that man got rich uh <laughs> so there's like there's different ways to connect with this you know if you're a theme park person maybe like our recent trip um, where I proposed to my fiance, where we went to Disneyland, um, you know, there were, my mom has never seen a Star Wars movie from start to finish. But when we walked into that section of the park, she was just like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. And like, she absolutely loved all the rides and that's without any sort of connective tissue to the, the film franchise. Mm -hmm. And so there's different ways, different methods of reaching out to different parts of your audience. And sometimes you can do that purposefully. Sometimes it just happens naturally. And it's something that you might not ever be able to plan for. But if you go at it with the sense that you want to tell a really strong narrative and you want to connect with people, I think you're always going to find an audience who's willing to listen and willing to reciprocate and show like their love for it, whether it's, you know, the purchasing of products or the, the following of a page, or it's, you know, running around, you know, a theme park dresses, your favorite character. There's, there's always going to be at least someone who's willing to accept the information that they're given if it's being made in earnest. Mm -hmm. And I think that like what you were saying, I agree with all of that. Um, and especially with Ray's character being brought in, there is a lot of these companies, including like Disney and, and Marvel are starting to take women into account. And I think that for a young girl to see a strong woman portrayed as not something girly, you know, we don't all feel girly we don't all feel like a princess all the time right some of us like to play in the mud some of us like to get our hands dirty and do the same things the guys do and or so if you're princess to, leia you you shoot yes. the the hole into the side of the the, yes. the tension block and you're the first one to jump into the garbage <laughs> disposal you're like yeah yeah i'm gonna follow her anywhere <laughs> you're all like dang she's got gumption man she's like ready to go um but it it's you know, that was something they were targeting, right? When they made up Ray is that we're like, let's have a strong female role that these girls can, uh, can like relate to. And, and I think that it's a little dismissiveness kind of to say that someone who's like in their fifties or sixties can't appreciate the things that we have that are newer. Like I know a lot of people who have appreciation for the way that, film and television has gone like you know you hear them saying when i was younger it was never like that you know and now we have the ability to create these amazing super detailed worlds um and so i think they can find the appreciation with that and same with the younger generation like i mean like 
they like vintage things, right? We see like all of these eras of clothing being repurposed and worn in just a slightly different way, but they've all been done before. That's the whole thing is we take what's been done and then we, we um, just modify it slightly to be current. Um, and I think that it, it all boils down to is who specifically you are targeting with that video. Like if you want it to, ring more with like an older generation, then you need to specifically put things in there that can give them that nostalgic feeling, right? That feeling of like, oh yeah, I remember those things or, Mm. oh yeah, that made me feel that way. Like, you know, or you can just relate to the people who understand what that stuff is. And same if you're targeting a younger generation, you know, like the TikTok generation and the social media aspect of it. And and so I just think it, it all boils down to who you're targeting for that video, you need to be very tactical and specific on, on the type of things that you put into there. Um, but I do think that they can still speak to, to other people. But if you, if a majority of your audience is one way, then let's make the video geared towards them. And, and, you know, maybe the others will come along with it. Maybe not, but then we can always plan on another video geared towards Mm -hmm. the other group of individuals. So sometimes it takes, you know, being great doesn't just happen overnight. Not for everyone, right? Some people get lucky and go viral like <laughs> instantly, but but a majority of us have to work hard to get to where we're at. And uh, sometimes it's going to take more than one video. Sometimes it's going to take more than like a website update and like blog posting and all that stuff. Like you have to like really build that trust in that um, rapport with your audience to like come back and still view you more. And then they will see what you are about as like an, a company as a whole. Yeah. I think, uh, I love what you're talking about in terms of like really understanding your audience. And then mm-hmm. what you also said about, you know, the, the viral myth, like Todd kind of talks about that a lot of like the viral hooks. And we always see that one post that blows up, but we don't see the like 200 that mm-hmm. we're like, mm-hmm preemptive to that, that they practiced and like tested what's going to work with their different audiences and, and refine their messaging. And what I'm, what I'm really taking away from this conversation is it's, I think the, the storyline or like the unique value proposition of Star Wars, regardless of what you know, set of films it was, it's there. It's kind of omnipresent, but mm-hmm. how it's filmed, how it's presented, like how it's marketed to the next generation is really what has changed. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think this has been a really awesome conversation, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I think this has definitely given a lot of medical marketers some, some interesting things to think about. Um, and so for anybody listening, we hope you stay tuned for our next episode of Videos Marketing Mastery. And as always, if you need help telling better stories or aligning your sales and marketing using video, don't hesitate to reach out. Here, there is no try at our agency. There's only do. But if you're not a match for our services, sometimes do not. Uh, anyways, uh, our team is united by the love of serving the life sciences community, and really, we cannot ha- wait to be your best friend in growth. Can I get a boom, guys? One, two, three. Boom. 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 <laughs> we all did that at different times. <laughs>